From WHQR Public Media, this is the Newsroom. I'm Ben Schachman. Thanks for joining us for special elections coverage looking at the Beachtown mayoral races. Later on today's show, we'll look at the race in Wrightsville Beach, where incumbent Mayor Daryl Mills is defending his seat against challenger Greg Buscemi, who, not incidentally, is also suing the town, along with others, over its parking program. We'll be skipping Curie Beach, where the mayor and two commissioners, all incumbents, are running unopposed, so then we turn first to the race for the mayor of Carolina Beach. The contest has no incumbent, as Mayor Leanne Pierce chose not to run for re-election, but both candidates will be familiar to Carolina Beach residents. There's Lynn Barbie, who won a seat on town council in 2019, and Dan Wilcox, who previously served as both a council member and mayor. First up, Lynn Barbie. Lynn, thanks for being with us. And to start, tell us a little bit about yourself. Lifelong Carolina Beach resident, uh, moved here around 10 years old and went to school here in New Hanover County all the way up through graduation from UNCW. So I've been around uh, quite a while, got a wife and two kids. My kids are grown, um, although they're still at home. So you know how that goes. Um, Really new to politics. I I never saw myself as a politician. I still struggle with that word sometimes. But uh, really just wanted to give back to my community, got to that age where I had the time to do it. And uh, so that got me into running for town council two years ago and been on town council for two years. All right. Well, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, first thing I hear about Carolina Beach these days when I bring it up is parking. I'm sure you hear about this too. Yes, we do. Uh, so, you know, visitors complain as the rates go up, but at the same time, you know, demand is going up. So how do you see this issue? So parking to me, I, you know, I lump these things into what I call a quality of experience uh, issue. Um, for me, that quality of experience involves the residents. They want a quality of life. Our visitors want a quality of experience. Yet we see tremendous growth in everywhere, but southern New Hanover County especially. So there is a kind of a crushing and pressing crowd and demand for parking. So one of the things that I've been working on is trying to streamline and make parking more efficient. It's not so much about we need more and more parking because there are times that the beaches are just full and more parking is not necessarily going to fix anything. But I think we can make tremendous strides in that quality of experience. We want people to come. We, you know, we've always been a very open and inviting town, and we, we, we want uh, people to have a quality experience when they come to see us. So that's why I've been focusing on that. Gotcha. So speaking of the beach, two-part question. The first part is about the north side of Freeman Park. Another complicated issue, we've got erosion. We've got possible issues with the adjacent landovers. Um, what would you like to see done there? So, you know, it's interesting. Freeman Park has kind of transpired over, over many years, and um, it, it is a unique experience. It's um, changed a lot from my youth. In my youth, it was pretty much just local fishermen and that sort of stuff, and now it's become a really popular place uh, for tourists. People love to drive on the beach. Uh, they love the access to the ocean, just being on pull up there. So I'd like to see that continue. I do think that there, that quality of experience is starting to degrade there as well, especially since we've seen the erosion. So I think you're going to see some rules and things that are going to have to be looked at on Freeman Park. So related, this is the second part, uh, the rest of the beach, the part that um, Carolina Beach along with Wrightsville Beach and Curie Beach has to re-nourish every couple of years. Uh, there's been some issues lately. Do you have thoughts on that process? Yeah, so it was one of the 
real important. Uh, if you were, when I ran in 2019 for council seat, it was one of the highest priorities. Was at that moment we didn't we have our beach renourishment permits, and so that was a high priority right out of the gate. We did get those permits, so I think we're in a good place. Obviously, there were some funding issues with the Army Corps of Engineers with the federal part of the money, uh, but we have secured federal money for next year, so I think we're I think we're okay. I don't really like going to a four-year cycle only because we have many, many years of three-year cycle, and we know how that has worked and protected the infrastructure of the town. I want to go back to something you said earlier about dealing with growth. So roads, stormwater, flooding, all that is you know part of being in a growing town. I want to start with um, flooding and handling stormwater. Right. So growth is our number one focus. It's the increasing demand on everything, every single system in the town, from our police force, fire, stormwater, water, sewer, all of those things, the growth is, is putting demand on that. So you really have to break them in, in, into pieces. The flooding issue, you know, having been there for so long, flooding in these coastal communities has always been a bit of an issue because obviously we, we live at sea level. But there are certain pieces of that that the town owns. Basically, we, you know, you get the water from your property to the town conveyance, and we, it's our job to get it, get it out of there. So issues around that are uh, obviously the dredging of Carolina Beach Lake has been a high priority. Uh, it's kind of stalled with some of the technical issues we've had, but it's moving again. I think that's probably the highest priority one. Um, and then there are a couple of dozen other smaller issues that need to be dealt with, too, because they impact people's homes. I see that as a public safety issue for me. Um, you know, you, you, you can't flood your house. Bas- basic public safety stuff. So it's very high import- of high importance for the town. Another question we wanted to ask when it comes to a growing beach town is affordable housing. And some of this is out of the town's control, obviously. But where do you see Carolina Beach's role in keeping at least some housing affordable? Yeah, it's it's a very difficult problem. When you talk to um, any coastal town in the United States, um, but, you know, certainly talking to our neighbors, Affordable housing in a resort destination is an almost impossible task. Now, we're not talking about, when we say affordable, I'm talking sort of that mid-tier where you're, the people who work in your restaurants and your hotels and stuff, we're seeing that those businesses are having to pull people from farther and farther away to the point to where it's getting almost cost prohibitive for them to commute to Carolina Beach to work. Um, so it is, a, it is a real problem for us. We have some competing issues there. Short-term rentals have become very, very popular. You know, the whole VRBO type situation. Um, it's the way that a lot of people are paying for those, for those properties, you know, by renting them. But it's driving the cost up. In other words, if those properties are taken off the market, then it's less supply for sort of that workforce level housing and less supply price goes up. So we're in a, we're in a bit of a pinch there. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, the town doesn't have all the cards to play there, but I think that as projects come up, we have to think in that sense, like uh, one that you've probably heard of recently is the proximity. Certainly not going to be cheap rentals. I'm not suggesting that it is, but it will put additional long-term rental properties into the marketplace, and it should ease that burden a, a little bit. Sort of touched on this, but it's an issue a lot of towns are dealing with, and that's you know personnel retention. 
uh, especially for police officers, but really across the whole yeah. you know, civic payroll. How do you think about that problem? A couple of things that we've done is first priority when I came on council was to stabilize the leadership, our town manager. We have, uh, as everyone knows, we have gone through a number of town managers uh, over the last 10 years. And I think that has contributed quite a bit to the problem because of constant change in leadership. Since we got a new, got uh, Bruce Oakley, our new town manager, we also did specifically about police. We did a police study and looked at what some of the issues were there. And a lot of the issues, it's not always about money. Obviously, money matters, and I'm not saying that, but sometimes it's how your benefits are structured. Sometimes it's growth opportunities. So you really have to look at that problem holistically. And I think the town manager and I, we also have a new police chief, have looked at that. And one of the things that I really uh, like about the new police chief is he stresses training opportunities. And in my professional life, I've done the same thing. As long as you're investing in people, they don't usually leave very easily. Our turnover has decreased. It's certainly not zero, but I think that it's it's all about investing in those people and giving them opportunities. Last specific question. How do you feel about the town's relationship with Matsu right now? I think it's really good. I um, It struggled uh, for a while, obviously, back during the Lake Dredge, and there was some contention. One of the things that you have to understand is that Matsu changes leadership roughly every couple of years. So we get a new colonel, and Colonel Arnold, who's there now, this council, we we kind of jumped on developing that relationship as soon as he came in. But I think it's a constantly evolving thing, and so I think we have to constantly invest in that relationship. You're never there, if you know what I mean, because there's going to be someone new. Um, so you have to build those relationships. All right. Closing thoughts. Anything else you want to add? Um you know, I think the I think the key thing for me running for mayor is it's really about leadership of the town. One of the things there's there's we tend to get into the nuances and details of a lot of small issues, and those are very important issues. I'm not saying that they're they don't need to be discussed, but I really see our town as sort of this three-legged stool. I know that's an overused analogy, but you've got our visitors as one leg, you got our residents, and you got our businesses, and we all need each other. Um, and I think we need, there, as of late, there's been some contention between those three legs. The visitors on their quality of experience, uh, the residents are feeling overrun because of the growth and, and, and the crushing crowds we've had at times. And then, of course, the businesses have been dealing with COVID and all of those restrictions. So what I really want to bring to the town is let's, let's lift our head up and realize what a fantastic community we live in. And let's make that quality of experience of all three of the legs, the priority in the decisions that we make. In the two-second version, that's what I'm trying to bring to the mayor's office. All right. Well, Lynn Barbie, uh, Councilman of uh, Carolina Beach and candidate for mayor, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll sit down with former mayor and current Carolina Beach mayoral candidate, Dan Wilcox. You're listening to special elections coverage on The Newsroom. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Newsroom. I'm Ben Shockman, and you're listening to special elections coverage from WHQR Public Media. Up now, Carolina Beach mayoral candidate Dan Wilcox. Dan, thanks for being with us. Hey, Ben. How's it going? 
It's good. Uh, so to start here, let's uh, hear a little bit about yourself, your background, and your political experience. All right. Well, I moved to Carolina Beach about 32 years ago, my family and I, and raised our, our sons here. I don't know, about 17 years ago, I, 18 years ago, I became a little more involved in the town, saw that uh, the town needed a lot of things, and I, I was appointed to the Planning and Zoning Board, served three years there. Um, after that, I ran for town council, served uh, one year on council, which was a four-year term, and then a little break in between, and ran for, uh, for mayor, and was able to serve two years as mayor. I also... Um, about a couple days after I won the council election, I picked up the phone and called some, a friend of mine down at the boardwalk who kind of knew all the owners down there, and I said, let's get a meeting together and uh, let's start working on revitalizing the boardwalk. So that's what uh, kind of started the whole uh, boardwalk revitalization program, and, and I, man- and I lead- led that and, um, for 15 years. So let's get into uh, some of the issues that the, the town is facing. First up, this is one we hear about a lot, parking. It's a, yeah. it's a complicated issue. You know, visitors are always going to complain when rates go up, but uh, at the same time, demand is going up. So what's your take on the parking situation at Carolina Beach? There's no one magic bullet that's going to take care of this. So we've got, I see we've got two paths we can go down, and maybe they merge at some point in time. One is a bigger, quicker fix, which, you know, people would talk about as being a parking deck. That's a discussion that's going to be a, require a lot of public input, and, um, and I'm not sure if the citizens are prepared to go there. The other way we can go is taking off little chunks so we can be more aggressive on our bidding to the private lots. We are hopefully would look at changing some of the regulations on those so that we can be more competitive. I think the other thing we can look at is a good chunk of our parking down there is taken up by workers that go down to, you know, work in the restaurants and the businesses and stuff down there. And if we could find a solution to get them off of the boardwalk parking, that would free up a lot of spaces for other people just wanting to spin in and you know drop in for an hour or two hours and get something to eat. And those parking spaces would turn If we could free up 100, 150 parking spaces, they would turn over two or three times during the course of the evening. I think we can do that through some remote parking areas um, where we can make it less expensive for the, for the workers, make it easier on them. We could have a we could buy a couple shuttles. They're not that expensive. We could run shuttles from either a central location back away from the boardwalk or multiple locations. For instance, some parking at Town Hall, maybe some some of our some of the some of our other lots that are available. We could turn into parking. So I think we can we can work in a lot of little smaller areas, and we can also be thinking about maybe the bigger fix if that's something the community decides that they're in favor of. Uh, sort of a related issue talking about people coming to the beach. Uh, Freeman Park, another complicated issue. Uh, the park is facing erosion. You got potential issues from the adjacent landowners. What would your approach be for Freeman Park? Well, you know, I was around before Freeman Park was even managed. <laughs> um, you know, everybody has a different take on it. You know, to me, for not being a managed park, I thought it did pretty well back then. So now we're able to at least provide, you know, trash pickup and lifeguards and things of that nature. And, and I think that's all good for the citizens. It makes it a safer environment and kind of keeps the control of it. So I think we just have to deal with Mother Nature. I've seen that sand go and I've seen it come back. So uh, I think it'll take care of itself. And as far as the management of the park, right now we're able to take uh, the funds that we earn from that. And we've been putting uh, a good, of course, paying for the trash and the lifeguards and, and the patrols and all that. But we're also been able to take a part of that and put it towards a little kitty that we have to be able to help with some beach renourishment projects in the future if we need some emergency funding. I think we have about 
$2.3 million we've been able to set aside for that. So we started that program back when I was in office. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the beach renourishment issue. I wanted to ask about that because that's Riceville Beach, Kerry Beach, and Carolina Beach all deal with this. There's been some upsets lately. I think I think the ship is riding, but how do you feel about the beach renourishment uh, situation as it is right now? Well, I could talk about beach renourishment for a couple of days, but uh, <laughs> it's a complicated issue and it's evolved uh, in many ways over the time. I was a, I was a council representative from Ports Waterway and Beach Commission for many years, instrumental in both the inlet dredging and the beach uh, nourishment. When we've had to find different pots of money over the years and we th- Kind of thought we had it pretty well resolved without getting official funding. We were, you know, had a good relationship going with the Coast Guard. And then during the previous administra- uh, federal U.S. administration, um, in the omnibus, they, they authorized additional funding for the inlet, but then it, Office of Budget and Management never approved it. So that's what's been the holdup here. So the, the, the funding mechanism has kind of taken a turn that no one really expected. The news uh, in the last couple of days is that that's looks like it's going to happen. I think Charlie Miller's, uh, you know, raised some extra money for that, which we appreciate. And probably uh, David Rouser and a bunch of other people have been kind of working on making that happen and uh, happy to see it coming. Things keep changing and we've got to find a, a you know, more sustained funding source for beach nourishment. Another issue we hear a lot from CB residents, flooding and, and stormwaters, you know, not just on the north end, but all across the town at this point. Do you think the town's on the right path? You think more needs to be done, something, a different approach? When I left office, I felt good about the path we were on. We had an extremely aggressive stormwater um, program in place, tied in with our infrastructure program. I think for a number of reasons, some of that hasn't progressed. Part of that's been the pandemic. But we also have to understand that um, major improvements have been made in the stormwater. But even those with those improvements... If you have a series of rain events over the course of a couple of weeks and then you have another big downpour, we live on sea level. You know, and the water table, as it rains, the water table comes up and there's no place for that water to go. Even our stormwater system, in, in many cases, has no place to transport that water to. So we've got to understand where we live. Um, there'll always be some issues with, with stormwater, but we need to concentrate on continuing to make sure we repair the pipes, that we don't have any, you know, we don't have, we don't have any unnecessary maintenance issues. That are, We need to do everything we can to make sure we make it as good as we can and stay on top of that on a regular basis. On the other side of the island, uh, you've got Matsu Land. That's the, uh, for people who don't know, it's the military ocean terminal at Sunny Point. How do you feel about the town's relationship with Matsu now, and is there anything different you would do with that Matsu land on the intracoastal side of Pleasure Island? We had a good relationship with Matsu, but that relationship changes every two years every time a new colonel comes in. <laughs> Some of them uh, are a little more willing to kind of put themselves out there than others. Most of the colonels who come in and are into their career, you know, and they're, they're really not wanting to upset the apple cart, so to speak. Um, some of the stuff we want to do, we definitely need Matsu's help. And I think uh, from what I hear, maybe some of that is softening. We, had, uh, we were the first council when I, when I was mayor to attempt to, to dredge the lake, which is a huge stormwater resource for us. About 720 acres of land uh, uh, feed into that lake during stormwater events. Unfortunately, I took responsibility for that, but um, there was something that we were not advised of when the town, when we were placing those dredge materials, the town manager decided to put them someplace that they weren't authorized to go. 
So, you know, the buck stops with me at the end of the day, but, um, you know, we were just not advised of it. And that is what kind of soured the relationship with uh, Matsu for a while. And I think hopefully it's improving and we'll be able to move down the road. Totally different topic. Carolina Beach, like everything else in southeast North Carolina, growing pretty quickly. From your point of view, what does the town need to do to prepare for growth, whether that's roads or affordable workforce housing or you know, any of the other myriad issues that growth caused? You know, growth is inevitable, especially in the resort town. And if we look at the trends all the way up and down the coast right now, every beach town is growing for a lot of different reasons. I believe that during my administrations, we did a good job of balancing the growth. So, for instance, we have a vibrant business district and a boardwalk, which most beach towns our size don't have. But we also have a, we're also a bedroom community in a lot of ways. You know, we're a residential community. So we have to balance the interest of those two things. And I don't think anybody that has lived there a while doesn't understand that tourism is our industry and there will be impacts to us as locals during that busy season. You know, we're going to have to figure out what hours are best to go to the restaurants, which ways to get there and those type of things. But we, we pretty much, most of us that lived there for a while have a handle on that. And we have the place to ourselves for most of the year after that. But as far as the business community, when I, 14 years ago when we started Boardwalk Makeover, half the buildings at the Boardwalk were empty, dilapidated. Um, many of the businesses, uh, buildings were empty in the highway business district. A lot of the businesses that came in stayed the summer, didn't open during the winter, and they failed before the next summer. They just couldn't survive. I think we did a great job of changing that. We have every business is down there is thriving. No one's closing their doors because they can't make it. Matter of fact, they're staying open in the shoulder seasons. So what that does is it provides our citizens options. You know, we used to have to go across the bridge for everything. But more importantly, the tax base that comes from all that is what helps us afford to live there. It all, it's also what helps us afford to justify re-nourishment of the beaches and keeping the inlet open. Everything's interconnected. You can't take one element of it and toss it out or not pay attention to it. Keeping the balance in the town between the business and the residential district is you can't just close the bridge. And, you know, we're not, we're not doing any advertisement for summer. We already have, you know, the, all the business. We never, matter of fact, we, our marketing plan doesn't do any advertisement for the summer. It's all shoulder season. It's something we got to keep an eye on and, and continue the best with it we can and maybe shift some resources and try and take care of the citizens. All right. Uh, last question. Uh, this is something governments all over the region have been dealing with, and that is employee retention for the government itself, so for the town of Carolina Beach. Specifically, a lot of towns have been struggling with retention of police officers, but also, you know, just civil servants in general. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we've had some problems with that even in the past, before the pandemic area, and I think we do a pretty good job of it. We've we've had a pretty stable workforce at the town hall. A lot of our uh, services we provide to the citizens are through contract services, and that's really kind of a bigger concern right now. We, we've got, a, you know, I've fully supported our police department and our fire department. I've always worked with them. We keep a good police force down there. Very proud of them. Very proud of the fire department and our town workers. But a lot of what they rely on are these contract services. So our landscaping and our engineering and different projects that we do, they're all done by contract services. So they're having the same hardship in the private sector that um, many other people are. It's something that um, probably is less of an employee retention problem for us right now um, than um, contract services issue. All right. Well, Dan Wilcox, candidate for mayor of Carolina Beach, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. 
All right. Well, after the break, we turn our attention to Wrightsville Beach mayoral candidates, challenger Greg Buscemi and incumbent Daryl Mills. You're listening to special elections coverage on The Newsroom. Please stay with us. To the newsroom. I'm Ben Schachman, and you're listening to special elections coverage from WHQR Public Media. I'm here now with Greg Buscemi, who is challenging incumbent Mayor Daryl Mills. Greg, thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. So I'm going to start with the thing that most people bring up to me when I talk about Wrightsville Beach, and that is parking. Obviously, it is a powerful revenue generator for the town which drives down property taxes for people who live in Wrightsville Beach, which residents seem to like. On the other hand, the main complaint I hear is that the beach itself is public and the what some call exorbitant parking rates seems like a form of gatekeeping. So how do you think about parking in Wrightsville Beach? The way I think about it is the legal way of thinking about it, which you know follows the Constitution and the state laws governing you know, a municipality's authority to regulate parking. And... It's easy to bounce right over to the lawsuit I just filed. But, yeah, they, uh, the parking rates they're charging aren't authorized under the state constitution. Um, I know one of the biggest things people – anyone that's heard about this already is kind of saying, well, isn't this going to hurt your chances of winning? And it's not about that. It's about following the rules. It's about doing what the constitution says you're supposed to do. It's about treating everyone fairly and equally. It's about allowing everyone to access the beach when they have their constitutional right to do so. I didn't grow up in Wrightsville Beach. I came to UNCW, and I was able to go to the beach a lot because it was affordable and it was accessible. And the fact that a lot of people can't do that now, it's, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. I live there, and I love it. I want more people to share that. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're blocking out certain groups and certain classes that they don't think either belong or are entitled to. Um, and just from my experience watching the town over the past few years, they just they seem they feel like they own the beach, and it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to everyone. So... Anything I can do to make sure that's either communicated to the public that, you know, there, there are rights that, that you can enjoy here. And you got to just elect the right people to make sure that they're being upheld. So let's, I want to unpack this a little bit more since we've got you here. You, you have filed a lawsuit that would include an, a number of towns and, and cities, but it, 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 resol- it revolves around the way that they use parking revenue. Right. Living in Wrightsville Beach, that was my main concern. Uh, the fact that all the other uh, cities and towns are added, that's for convenience and killing 10 birds with one stone, really. The problem with the way they operate the parking situation right now is that they are treating on-street parking spaces the same way they're treating private lot spaces. And the town owns a couple of private lots where they can, under state law, they can do anything they want with those private They can charge whatever fees they want. They can do passes. They can, you know, limit it to certain times, groups, whatever they want to do. Private lots, fine. Under state law, on-street parking is specifically separated because the streets belong to the people. The, the state is responsible for maintaining them. The fact that they allow municipalities to use on-street parking meters is very specific and authorized only for limited purposes. And you can only use the revenues generated from that to maintain the parking program. And what the special laws that came out, and I think it was 98 or so in the, in the decade after, that expanded it from Wrightsville Beach to a bunch of other uh, towns and cities, 
they pretty much exempt, exempted them, uh, those towns from that limitation. They said, you know what, you can use that money for whatever you want. And by doing that, they eliminated the requirement to operate at cost. So now that they can charge whatever they want for those on-street spaces, and they have no authority to do that. Once you start profiting off of public space and using that as a revenue booster uh, to the exclusion of other, you know, to the, the lower economic class, to, to whatever, whatever you're trying to do, the more, the more concerning thing for me is that this revenue is kind of – it's not just that it's being brought in at such levels, but that it's being brought in in a way that makes it seem like they're trying to benefit only certain groups of people that have very specific connections with the town. And it's, it's tough because no one really understands what's going on. It's hard to see. They do a very good job of keeping a lot of this under wraps. A lot of the time they'll just explain it as, you know, we have the right to do this. We, you, know, we, you know, we pass this ordinance or whatever. We can do what we want. No, they can't. And I feel like if no one else is going to stand up and say that, I'm, that that's, that's why I'm here. So you contend that there, there's sort of like a carve-out statute. The, the original version was just for Iceville Beach, and then it was expanded to include municipalities in New Hanover County. You, you contend that that's uh, unconstitutional. I contend that any special law, even just the one that started in just Wrightsville Beach, the state constitution forbids the General Assembly from passing special laws for certain municipalities that regulate parking maintenance, street maintenance, bridges, things like that. And there's a bunch of other, maybe five or six other categories of laws where that limitation applies, where you can't have certain special or local uh, provisions that exempt those, those groups. And that's exactly what's going on here. They are exempting a very limited number of towns so they can use what is generally a, a government function. On-street parking is a government function. It's considered a tax, and the fact that they're using that as a profit source now, it's egregious in my mind that it's just they're taking money from people that can't generally afford it to begin with and putting it in their own pockets. When we first reported on this years ago, I was at Port City Daily, we, we asked the city of Wilmington, since they have the legal right, or at least as, as it's understood in Wrestle Beach, they, they have this carve-out statute that would allow, at least on paper, the city of Wilmington to fill the general fund with money from parking. We asked, why don't you do that? Because uh, it seems like most municipal bodies are always eager to get more money in their coffers. And they said, why would we want to alienate the people who want to come to downtown Wilmington? Is it fair to say that, in your opinion, Wrightsville Beach doesn't seem to care if it alienates certain people? Yeah, I don't know what the exact motivation is behind it, but it, that's certainly how it's, how it's operating. It's keeping out the people that are, especially in the past year or two, that have really been struggling. People just don't have money to do anything anymore. And sometimes, especially living here, you kind of, you feel great that you have that opportunity, at least you used to, to enjoy at least the natural environment around you. And people can't do that anymore. And what do they do when, you know, when the pandemic comes, when a hurricane comes? They just raise the parking rates again. The rainfall knocked out three weeks of profit for us. So let's just charge five bucks next year. Why not 10? How about 20? People have to understand there are limits to what any governmental body can do. They're written in the state constitution. What the problem is here, there's a very clear and express provision that says they can't do exactly what they're doing right now. So all I want to do is the court just to agree with me, read the words, and just say whether or not I'm right. So really the hardest part is just wondering how the courts are going to respond. Yeah, well, that is one we will have to watch. Um, and we'll definitely talk about that more as that case <laughs> evolves. I do want to move on and, and touch on a couple other things. One is the, the flip side of parking to get to the beach is the beach itself, uh, which does belong to the people and is getting eroded at a sort of increasing rate. But what are your thoughts on the current situation of beach renourishment? Well, yeah, we can go right back to the state constitution. Um, one thing I want to, if I could say over and over again as much as possible so that everyone can understand this, our state constitution is better for us than the federal constitution. It gives us more rights. It has more specific provisions in us or in there that specifically grant all the residents of the state the right to enjoy the natural public trust waters uh, and lands 
that are, whether it's in the Western mountains or the Eastern the shores. And the state has a responsibility to maintain that. So whether it's coming from federal, state, local, whatever it is, the state at least has a responsibility to maintain it. And by maintaining it, you have to put in policies that protect the, those shorelines. They're not doing it. So again, it, it, I think it comes down to people just being unaware that there's a responsibility here that's not being met and whether they're okay with it because maybe they don't want to spend money right now. It only gets more expensive. So if you want to do something, the, the time to act is now. Fair enough. One thing we do actually hear quite a bit from folks in Riceville Beach is about the difficulty in keeping uh, law enforcement officers employed. Yeah, they got to pay them more. Is it, is, is it that simple, just pay them more? I think that's part. I think that's the biggest issue. Um, the way I look at it, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. The local police chief lived on the street behind me. We knew him by name. We knew every cop in town by name. They lived in town with us. They were our neighbors. They were there to help us, and we were there to help them, whether they were wearing a badge or not. You don't know any of the cops in Rachel Beach. You don't know where they're, you know, what cities, how far they're driving, where they're coming from. If you can't pay them enough for them to afford to live in the town that they're, you know, sworn to protect, what kind of signal is that sending? So yeah, pay them more. Make sure that they can, you know, at least be nearby. So if something if there was an emergency, they can get here. You know, those are the ones that, you know, on duty or not, they're supposed to be there to protect us. So I want them around. I want them to know us. I want them to be comfortable with the people there, and I want the people there to trust them. The last thing I wanted to ask about is a a history of what I guess I'm going to call protectionist activities by the town of Wrightsville Beach and using various tools of the of the town government to effectively go after a couple of businesses, the Red Dogs Bar on the main drag and uh, the jet ski company that has been operating uh, at, at sort of the, the west end of, the t- of town. Uh, you were involved in some of these lawsuits. You're certainly familiar with this practice. Some people seem to think that this is just Wrightsville Beach protecting the Wrightsville Beach way of life. Some people seem to think that this is flagrantly unconstitutional. I could guess where you come down on this, but I wanted to ask you about it. Oh, it's both, isn't it? It's them trying to preserve what they've done for decades now, and that's act above the law. They're so comfortable doing it that they just know that they're going to get away with it. So whether or not that's going to be the case moving forward, that's not up to me. But it needs to be heard. It needs to be put in the record. And we got to find out whether that's going to be something that the courts are going to handle from now on. Say November 2nd comes, you win. You're mayor of Wrightsville Beach. What else would be on your agenda? Oh, that's funny you asked. I actually responded to one of the questionnaires from another group. That specific question, what's your first? Day one, what do you want to do? My first response, it came right to my head. Fire the town manager, Tim Owens. Get him out of there. No one likes him. It seems like he just kind of does whatever the, the town officials want him to do, whether or not it's statutorily, constitutionally legal. And everyone that I know, developers, residents, anyone that's had to either deal with him or go before the town or try to work out some sort of any meaningful or reasonable compromise, and it just gets thrown out the window. I haven't met one person that's believed that he's been doing anything in the interest of the public. And without the town manager that actually runs the town, because that's what the government is. It's run by the town manager on a daily basis. He's the one that has the authority to do a lot of what the town does. But if the current board and the current mayor aren't going to hold him accountable for what I believe are flagrant violations of people's rights, I'll step in and try to make that my first priority. Anything else you want to add? Oh, boy. So many. I don't know how much time you have. We could, we could read the North Carolina State Constitution, but that might take I would love to read the North Carolina. <laughs> that should be required reading in every household before everyone goes to bed at night. Well, then I can recommend to our listeners that they check out the North Carolina State Constitution, and uh, maybe next time we'll have you on to read some of your favorite passages. Oh, happy to. We can do that. We can do case law interpretations. We can Most of the stuff that's going on right now, it's already been decided by the court. This is not new stuff. They're just recycling old, you know, like you said, tools of governments that, you know, might have got struck down years back. We're like, oh, that worked then. Let's try this again. Yeah. 
which, you know, I can dig up multiple examples, but that's probably for another time. But All right, well, until that next time, uh, Greg Buscemi, candidate for mayor of Wrightsville Beach, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Ben. Okay, well, we need to take a quick break, but we'll be back with questions for incumbent mayor of Wrightsville Beach, Daryl Mills. You're listening to special elections coverage on The Newsroom. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Newsroom. I'm Ben Shockman, and you're listening to special elections coverage from WHQR Public Media. I'm here now with Wrightsville Beach Mayor Daryl Mills, who is running for a second term as mayor. Daryl, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. So before we get into some of the policies, uh, tell us a little about yourself. Well, I have lived here most of my life. Uh, both sides of my family actually from Brunswick County originally. They were farmers, small farmers. My mother's uh, family moved up here uh, after my granddaddy passed. My grandmother could not manage the farm, so she sold it, and uh, they moved up here uh, years ago, many years ago. Went to school at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, law school, Chapel Hill. Been in Wilmington practicing law since 1983. Uh, lived at Wrightsville Beach for more than 25, almost 30 years. Owned several pieces of property there. And... Um, Served on planning board at Riceville Beach for several years. Was first elected to the Board of Aldermen in 2011. Uh, was reelected after a four-year term. And after serving two terms on the board, was elected mayor last time. So to start, I want to ask you about parking. This yes, is sir. a complicated issue, as you well know. Uh, visitors sometimes complain as you know rates go up and hours expand. But at the same time, demand is going up, too. Um, what's your take on the parking issue? You, you've pretty much summarized it. Uh, yes, we get complaints about rates, and we, we try to be aware of it. We try to be sensitive to it. At the same time, our uh, visitors rightfully expect a certain level of service, whether it's police, cleaning the beach, restrooms. All of that has to be paid for, and parking transfers the cost of that to the actual user, the consumer of those services. People have to remember, we're, we're a small town, roughly 2,500 people, but we can't staff as the typical 2,500-person town staffs. We have to staff for a much larger town. And during the summer, we will have four, five, six, seven times the population of the town visiting us. So we have to staff for that capacity. We also have to have the infrastructure, water, sewer, etc. So, yes, I get the complaints. I understand it. I would remind everybody, we, we did not go to the rate we're at first. Carolina Beach went first. Somehow, we're always wearing the black hat in the parking complaint par department, but uh, we weren't first. And we, we try to find a happy uh, balance medium. I would like to say we have found it because the demand is still overwhelming, and there's still cars driving around looking for a parking place you know, on every nice weekend. Uh, a related issue, obviously, is the beach itself. Yes, sir. Um, beach renourishment is, uh, this involves, you know, a lot of state and federal funding. This is not something Riceville Beach can do on its own. It's worth noting the most recent round of negotiations seem to favor Pleasure Island a little bit more than Riceville Beach. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on this sort of never-ending process. 
<laughs> it is never-ending, and it's crucially important. Let me kind of give a quick summary of where we're at. The beaches of North Carolina that are participants in the federal funding program, and not all beaches are in North Carolina. We are. Pleasure Island is. They were put on a three-year cycle years ago. We have always been, historically been, on a four-year cycle. We have gotten the sand to put back on the beach from Maceboro Inlet. So we've, it's been kind of a recycling of that sand. That's essentially what's been going on since 1965 at Riceville Beach. Never been an issue, never been a problem. Some people wish we were on a three-year cycle like Carolina Beach and Curie Beach. That would be great, but we weren't. And all of this is authorized by certain federal legislation. And as you very accurately put it, we can't control that. We can lobby, we can ask, but ultimately it's up to Congress. Well, the Department of Interior decided that um, we shouldn't be allowed to get our sand out of Masonboro Inlet. Allegedly creates some issues, National Wildlife, Fish and Wildlife, Audubon Society, and I'm speaking nationally, not the local chapters, not the local people. Apparently had some issue with it. To the best of my knowledge, I've talked with our Congressman David Rouser many, many times about this. I've talked with Army Corps engineers, local people. Nowhere is there any evidence that what we were doing created any sort of problem. That said, Department of Interior decided we shouldn't be allowed to do it. So they arbitrarily, without any notice, said any beach nourishment federally funded plan that's taken sand out of, like inlets, waterway, can't do it anymore. Carolina Beach and Curie Beach have not been getting their sand out of their inlet. They have been getting theirs from a offshore borrow site. So they weren't affected by this ruling. Uh, we have attempted to appeal it to get it redressed. Again, Congressman Rouser has been very active trying to do that. We just have not been successful. Already set in motion, and, and it has been in motion for many months now, a um, backup plan, uh, seek out a borrow site offshore. We have identified several sites that, that apparently do qualify. And so now we're trying to get them to go through all the permitting process, which is laborious to say the least, tedious to be accurate, but we're on that track. Barring any unforeseen difficulty, we will get approval and we'll get more sand on Wrightsville Beach, but it will not be uh, this winter, which is what we hoped. We're looking at another year, probably. Fair enough. Another issue uh, unrelated to the beach? Yes, sir. Wrightsville Beach is pretty well built out, but I feel like there will probably always be efforts to redevelop properties. Uh, do you feel like the town is handling that process well? Uh, for the most part, yes, sir. Um, we have a code of ordinances that is designed to put it simply, as, as reasonably as possible, maintain the quality of life at Riceville Beach. It's primarily a residential beach. We do have many small businesses. We try to maintain that balance, and we try to stay away from what we would consider the overdevelopment of high-rise buildings, uh, multi-story towers, uh, that type of thing. I think we're being successful. We uh, annually show up on the list of America's best small town beaches. We get annually many, many visitors, nothing but great 
compliments. So, yes, I, I, I think we are addressing it. You mentioned earlier, you know, the challenges of staffing a small town that gets a huge tourism influx. What are your thoughts on retaining those employees? Uh, all, all across the region, we've seen smaller towns struggle to retain police officers, uh, particularly, but also, you know, all the way across the government payroll. It is all across, and it is a struggle. And again, the revenues that we can produce, a town of 2,500, uh, we can't compete with the, with the larger areas. Some would say, well, if Carolina Beach is paying their staff person that does job A, X, why don't you pay? Well, Carolina Beach is significantly larger than we are also. So it's a struggle. But that said, uh, we are trying to remain competitive. And we have, uh, every year I've been on the board, we've given some raise. Now, granted, not always a super big raise, a large raise, but every year we, we've given a raise, typically some sort of merit plus some sort of cost of living. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we all all being the entire country, are now dealing with inflation brought on by the economic policies out of D.C. So we are going to have to take a look at it. We know it's it's difficult. Again, it's an annual thing. We go through a process. We've got some department leaders that have done excellent jobs in, I would say, reorganizing their departments, trying to maximize what we can do for the employees. We're going to try to uh, take a hard look at it here in our next budget process and hopefully address some of that. All right. Last question. Over the last couple of years, Riceville Beach uh, has taken some steps against some local businesses. Uh, this is something that your challenger, Greg Buscemi, has talked a lot about. Um, and these seem to be businesses that, you know, are unpopular with some of the Riceville Beach residents. I know some of this is ongoing litigation that you cannot talk about, but do you have any thoughts on this conflict that you can talk about? Well, I think my opponent emphasis, and he stated this in the now defunct Lumina News um, in an interview there, that he he thought that town government of Wrights Beach had been too protective of the residents and should be more interested in the benefit of the non-residents. Well, I I just, I'm diametrically opposed to that approach. Um, The non-residents of Wrights Beach have their advocates, whether it's New Henry County Commissioners, whether it's the General Assembly, the advocates for the residents of Wrightsville Beach have to be the town government of Wrightsville Beach. We have to look after the residents. And and these businesses that, that you are talking about, yes, some of it has been or is in litigation, so I'm not going to comment on it. I would just generally say we're not properly permitted, and when confronted with that, uh, basically chose to ignore our ordinances and just continue operating. We tried to talk to them. We tried to explain to them uh, how we operate down there. And we don't operate really any differently than any other town. One particular business was creating a lot of issues. One thing we've not talked about, but very much (laughs) related to parking is traffic. And uh, one business in particular was was exacerbating our traffic issue down there. Uh, Tried to talk to them, deal with them. It, it really was not satisfactory. We, uh, we enacted an ordinance to deal with it. All right. Well, Daryl Mills, mayor of Wrightsville Beach, running for re-election. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, that's just about all the time we have for this special elections edition of The Newsroom. I want to thank the candidates on today's show, Lynn Barbie, Dan Wilcox, Greg Buscemi, and Daryl Mills. 
If you missed any part of the show, you can find it at whqr.org or get the show as a podcast pretty much everywhere you can get podcasts. And if you have thoughts or comments about today's show or ideas for a future show, email us at newsroom at whqr.org. And finally, on an editorial note, a reminder that Election Day is Tuesday, November 2nd, and you can find all of WHQR's reporting on elections in Wilmington, Leland, Wrightsville Beach, and Carolina Beach at whqr.org. And look, if you've been listening to election coverage this year, you've probably heard pundits and journalists point to the fact that voter participation in local elections is usually pretty abysmal. Hell, I've said it myself, I don't expect more than 20% turnout. But I hope on this Tuesday, you'll prove us all wrong. All right. Well, there's just enough time left to say I'm Ben Schockman. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join us for the next edition of The Newsroom. Newsroom.